listening to the voice of Lovelyn Chidimawade, your favorite South African Nigerian. And um, for those of you who've just joined us, we are in the part of the show where we talk to South Africans or Africans who are doing amazing things. Um, in the previous interview, we spoke to Dr. Ntabuseng Lekhote, and she's the founder of Kwali Health, a very, very disruptive primary healthcare um, uh, model that's come up. And they've set up a, a, you know, a, a space in Deep Slot where they're offering affordable quality healthcare to people in that community and the surrounds. Very, very cool interview that we just had. Um, I, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm just in love. Like I'm just fangirling. I love the work that she's doing. Um, moving on to our second uh, African who is doing great things. Uh, tonight, we're going to be profiling the African Leadership Academy. Um, and on the line with us this evening, we've got Dr. Frank Aswani. Good evening, Dr. Frank Aswani. Good evening to you. How are you? Very well, thank you, sir. How are you? Very well, thanks. Very Great. Well, thanks. So, talking to you, you are the Vice President and the Director of Strategic Relations for the African Leadership um, University. Um, I, I know that you're doing a bit more work on the university side, but if you don't mind, I would like us to start the conversation um, with the academy and then we can sort of bridge out uh, to, the, to the tertiary institution. So, for people who don't know, who've never heard of the African uh, Leadership Academy, can you give us a brief idea? What is ALA about? Okay, so the people who never heard of ALA have had the problem we're trying to address. <laughs> okay. And I think, for sure. Because every day in Africa, if you open a paper or switch on the news, you cringe and you feel sorry for the people in Africa because of the kind of leadership that we've got. And you ask yourself, how much better could Africa be if we had the right leaders in place? And it, I can almost guarantee it doesn't matter where in Africa you go to, that is what the sentiments are going to be feeling for many Africans. So ALA was set up to try and transform Africa by creating the next generation of ethical Afri- African leaders. And in Africa, it takes on even more significance because generally, I mean, South Africa is an exception, but in many countries, we don't have strong institutions that keep the leaders in check. So, for example, we don't have a strong media, we don't have strong strong constitution, we don't have strong judiciary. And so we have leaders who run the countries like it's their own backyard or their own houses. And that has held us back in a big way. Mm. And so in setting up the African Leadership Academy, this is the challenge and this is the issue that you're, that you're trying to, um, you know, to address or to combat. So as I was reading some of the, the profiles on, on the website, so I've been stalking the website for some time. When I was in, uh, in high school, my brother was crazy about the African Leadership Academy. So all he wanted to do for the rest of his life was attend. Um, needless to say, he didn't attend. But that's not the point. The point is that it's something that um, it's a website that I'm quite familiar with in the stories and everything that's put out there. But, you know, in the story around the founder, uh, uh, Fred Swanick and the co-founder, Chris Bradford, um, it says that, that, you know, the aim is to transform the continent's leadership landscape by transforming education, right? So I'm interested to hear from you when we talk about about you know transforming education and, and the type of strategy that ALA is using, what is really the differentiator? So how are you transforming education in order to transform leadership? So, so that's a great question. And I strongly we strongly believe that we should always view education not as an end in itself, but as a means to an end. So for example, we should never measure, I don't think, they, not say we should never, but they won't, they won't, we should never look at things like metric pass rates or, or you know, standardized test pass rates as the only way to measure success of, edu- of education system. The question is what happens 
to those kids after that stage? What do they do? How how do they take their the, the years of education and convert them not convert them not just from, not just into success but into significance? Mm. And what we so our our thinking about how we education in Africa needs is if you look at Africa, we're preparing kids for jobs that don't exist. Mm. We're preparing them to solve problems that we haven't conceptualized. Africa is in a stage where people, more and more Africans are working together. Um, and we, we're preparing kids to collaborate with other Africans that they've never met. Mm. We are also preparing kids for an environment that has a massive youth unemployment. Okay? In countries like South Africa, the youth unemployment rate is up to 50%. Mm. We're preparing kids uh, to come into a space where we have, quite frankly, very few models in the leadership space for them to grow up to emulate. Mm. So when you look at that space that Africa, young Africans are getting into, how does the education today prepare them for that world? And that's what the education we offer at the African Leadership Academy is different. So, and what's different about us? So we, we offer normal academic curriculum, which is a British Cambridge system at the A-level, but we have a very unique curriculum called Entrepreneurial Leadership. And the entrepreneurial leadership is fundamentally around a couple of things. One, to prepare kids for that uncertain world by giving them skills that enable them to be agile in terms of the ability to adapt to different opportunities. So that curriculum enables kids to learn things like problem solving, critical thinking, communication skills, collaboration skills, uh, as part of preparing them for the real world. But also, with the youth unemployment rate we've got, we've got to change the mindset of our young people from being just job seekers to job creators. Mm -hmm. So all our kids on campus have to run a business on campus, for example. We teach them how to run enterprises. These businesses uh, report to external boards, for example. So every quarter we have volunteers like you and I who come to simulate board conversations. And the kids have to run board meetings at the age of 17. Mm. They have to present income statements, marketing plans to a group of board members as a way of teaching them upward accountability and good governance of our institution. Mm. So we, we think the days of just judging uh, or running education system that just test for exam pass rates are gone. We've got to do something different for the continent. Mm, right. And I think that that kind of innovative um, and, and different approaches is quite key, as you said, because, you know, the world is, is changing so quickly. It's changing so rapidly. I mean, the b before, you know, the difference between, you know, your generation and your parents' generation would be quite um, quite pronounced. But now even the difference between the world that, say, someone who's five years older than me was born into is very different to the world that I was born into and the world that I'm going to experience. So I think that that's an extremely, um, you know, valid and, and, and legitimate approach to take. But, you know, in doing that, I mean, the, the other side of the question um, is – you know, so when I when I was looking through, you know, some of the stuff around how ALA was started, the whole thing was that, you know, you've got people that are sending their children um, overseas, paying significant amount of, of, of fees, you know, to give their children this um, overseas education, um, maybe for them to stay abroad, maybe for them to come back to the continent, continent and, and contribute. Um, and obviously part of the, the model at ALA is to you know, have a pan-African um, institution on the continent where students can get the same type of um, exposure and the same type of quality education. But what is the kind of support that you offer to to students and staff in terms of funding? Um, you know, how do you how do you firstly select the students that that come into your institution, and how do you support them with funding as well? So that's a great question. Um, so first of all. Our application on an admission process is need-blind, which means that at the point of deciding 
who we are admitting into the into the campus, into the academy, we do not care whether they can afford to pay fees or not. Mm. The most important thing, are they the best Africans for us to invest in for the future of the continent? Mm. So because of that, up to 70% of our kids are from very poor backgrounds. And that's what we tell kids, we tell families, if you have a talented child who has strong leadership potential, have them apply. Have them apply because they're the kind of kids we are going together invest in for the future of the continent. Mm. And in selecting our kids, we get anything between two to 4,000 applications. We look for kids who are, one, um, you know, academically capable. They don't have to be A students, but they have to be capable of, of handling the academic rigor we have on campus. Mm. But most importantly, we look for kids with leadership potential, as demonstrated by things like, by things like courage, perseverance, uh, um, a, a, a a commitment or a willingness to give back and, and, and passion for their communities, and an entrepreneurial spirit, um, and, and strong values. That's mm-hmm. what we look for. So it's not just not academic capability. We look for a lot more mm-hmm. that, that we can invest in for the, for the future. And, um, and we have a two-stage application process. So the first stage, you fill in some forms, we read them, we, sh- we reduce that number to a smaller list, and the smaller list, we then run what we call finalist days, Mm-hmm. And in the finalist days, we spend almost a full day with you where we do group exercises, personal interviews, uh, we do um, aptitude tests, a, a battery of assessment tests. Mm-hmm. And then there we decide which uh, kids we bring on board. Mm-hmm. Just at this point in time, especially, I'd, I'd like to say that we don't get enough applicants from South Africa. Sure. We'd love to have a lot more South African kids apply. If wow. I was 16 today, anywhere in the world, there's nowhere I'd want to go to school than the African Leadership Academy. Mm. Mm. Definitely. I feel you. I think if yeah. I could relive my high school, <laughs> my high school days, I wish I went to <laughs> to the African Leadership Academy. <laughs> but alas, yeah, at least yeah. now I get to interview people from there. So, you know, it's fine. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and, and listen, we all say you can get involved with us in three ways. You can give us because we're a non-profit, we're always looking for funding for, 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 for the kids. So mm-hmm. One of the ways uh, you mentioned is uh, how do we fund the kids? We, we, will, we generally find a lot of our kids cannot afford to pay fees, so we'll, uh, we'll have someone uh, pay, uh, pay the difference of what they can pay mm-hmm. and what they can't. Mm-hmm. So um, I must clarify that everyone pays something. Some yeah. people might pay the minimum amount. It might be like $100 or something, but everyone pays something because we think education is such a valuable thing that people must attach some value to it. Mm, okay? mm, mm. But because you can't pay the full fees, it does not mean that you will not come. We'll find a donor to pay for you uh, the, 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 the difference. Yeah. Okay. I think that's very yeah. cool. I think it's important to for people to hear that that you know in your selection process and in getting students into the into the school, you know, fun, you don't start by saying can you afford, can you not afford. You actually are very interested in people's potential, but in that you're looking for for each candidate or each learner to also attach a certain you know amount of value to that. So that's really cool. So I mean, having such a, a disruptive agenda, right, which is to transform 
transform the continent's leadership landscape by transforming education. And and given that you've said that you're looking to you know educate uh, learners for a for an Africa and a world that does not yet exist for problems that we've not yet conceptualized, you must have some very very hardcore staff members. So tell us about some of the people that are working at the institution. Where do you source your staff from? You know what are the kinds of things that you that you the qualities that your staff members exhibit in order to develop these type of leaders? So you actually use the word that I'd use to describe our staff members. Our staff members are people who who are disruptive educators or who want to be disruptive in the youth development and education space. We want to bring people on board who are curious, who are passionate about the continent. They don't need to be African, by the way, but they're passionate about developing young people. They're passionate about finding new and different ways in which we can empower and grow our young people. Um, uh, and, and that's the core thing of what we look for. So and, um, just for point of clarity, half of our staff members are teachers and half not. Mm-hmm. So we have, we, because our commitment to our, to our students and our alumni is lifelong. So we have a whole bunch of staff members who do nothing but support the, the kids beyond their two years at the academy. Mm-hmm. So when you come to us, you never leave. And we have a whole staff co- uh, complement who do that bit. But if you feel you're passionate about young people, if you feel you're passionate about Africa's future, if you feel you are willing to tackle on, on key issues that Africa is facing, and you're willing to develop a force and a group of young people who will be huge proponents and advocates of that dream, please call us. Mm-hmm. That's really, really amazing. So, uh, you know, as we're about to just wrap up the interview, Frank, just very briefly, can you maybe tell us also just a little bit about your own journey and how you found yourself getting to the African Leadership Academy? You have a minute to tell us that. <laughs> yes, I, okay. So, so, so firstly, I'm Kenyan. Um, I've been living in Johannesburg now for 12 years. Both my kids were born in South Africa. So my son has, it's called Lutando. He's uh, got a South African name. My daughter has a Nigerian name, so you know we're a very Pan-African family. Mm. Um, I'm a veterinary doctor by training. Mm. I studied veterinary medicine. I worked for a healthcare pharmaceutical company. Uh, started off in Kenya, went to the UK, went to Switzerland, came back to Kenya, and then moved to South Africa. But when I lived in England, my I itched, my identity as an African really got tested. Mm. And from that point on, I decided I really my biggest thing I want to do is to give back to Africa and work in Africa. But I didn't know how. Mm. And then I got connected to the academy mm. and uh, the founder told me, come and spend half a day with us. And it's the worst mistake I did. <laughs> I went to the academy and spent half a day. And I said, this is exactly how I want to spend my time, is to work with young oh, people. Sure. And I've, I've spent, four, uh, I'm going to be five years in April and the best five years of my life. Wow, sure. Thank you so much for, for joining us on the line this evening. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the line, Frank. Have a great one. No, thank you. And please, we've opened our application for 2017. If you have talented kids between the ages of 16 and 19 with strong leadership potential, it does not matter if they're orphans or from rich families or whatever, please have them apply on, on our website. Definitely. Thank you so much, Frank. Have a great evening. So that was Frank Aswani, the Vice President and Director of Strategic Relations at the African Leadership Academy.